0: by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. This is a, I, I love this passage. I hope we can get something out of it. I hope it guides our thoughts and the way we're going to look at our life as we leave here today. When I look at this passage, it reminds me of something that happened to me, <clears throat> I, was, I don't know, maybe 12, 15 years ago. We, uh, maybe a little, about 15 years ago, some years back we decided to get, um, we actually have not had internet longer than, I think it's been 16, 17 years. We like tried to put off having internet for a while. So we've only had it for that time. And then when we got it, I'm like, all right, can, we're going to get it so that I'm going to get eBay and I'm going to try to sell some stuff, just make a little extra, uh, extra money I needed to bring in at the time. And so one of the things I did was I was still working for my dad at his shop, and we would accumulate parts at our shop. Um, we'd accumulate tires, which are kind of hard to get rid of. But then there's other parts, plastic parts, metal parts. And dad would just, he'd, after a while, dad, you know, we'd have guys come in and take the scrap metal. And after a while, dad said, "You can." he'd tell me, you can do whatever you want. If you want to sell it, sell it, you know. So there was a few parts that I cleaned up and listed on eBay at the time and sold. One of the first ones I did, it may, it was either the first or second one I did. I had to learn my lesson. I I'd still made a little bit of money, but I, I, I realized it was it was a it was close. <laughs> um I there was like a nineteen sixty-seven Oldsmobile something, right front fender. I didn't remember what one. It was a right front fender for a nineteen sixty-seven Oldsmobile, okay? And um it was already been the metal. The fender had already been what you call stripped, sandblasted, so there was no paint or bondo on it, and it was. And then I put primer on it, and just left it like that. Now I needed to, needed a little work, uh, body work and stuff, but it was clean and it was had some integrity to the structure, and I I know being in that kind of that circle of uh, restoration hot rod guys, I know kind of how people are thinking and where they're. And I knew that fender would be worth something to somebody, even though it even actually had some rust corrosion at the bottom, even though it was cleaned out, had some corrosion. So you had this old fender. It's clean, but it had some corrosion, had some dents, and I knew it was still worth something to somebody. So I primed it, and I listed it on eBay, and uh, I don't know. I, I think I sold it around $75, $100, and then I had maybe 50 for my shipping, and so let's just say 100 and then 50 for my shipping. That was kind of my, my window. I ended up selling it to a guy from Michigan, and it made sense. I'm like, yeah, of course. People upper Midwest are like, everything's rusting out there. They need to look in Arizona and look at stuff here in, in New Mexico, and, and some of them go to Nevada um, to find parts. So I sold it. I'm like, cool, I sold this Fender, yay! I'm like, okay, we're going to ship this thing. And I'm like looking for boxes to put it in. I find some box that fits in it. The box is huge. The fender was an awkward size. It's just like kind of small right here, then it gets big right here. And it's a little tall. So I ended up getting like this big box. And I'm like, man, that's kind of a big box. And then I started doing shipping calculations. I'm like, what? I'm not gonna pay, you know, it's more than I sold it Like, I can't do that. Okay, get it out of that box. And then I started figuring, how am I gonna do this out? Well, I ended up doing, there's kind of a fender box that they make. It's kind of wraps around it. I ended up getting like a fender box, and it's more um, tight-fitting. And I found that. It was an extra one we had. And I made it work, and I'm like, where am I going to ship this? UPS was too expensive, even with a smaller box. Um, FedEx, like, and then one of these other guys that drives a yellow and red something, I checked that. I mean, that was, everything's was t- I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose money. I'm going to pay this guy to get this fender when this is done. That's not how it's supposed to work. He's supposed to be paying me, you know. So uh, I needed, I was like, how am I going to do this? And somebody, I don't know who put it in my ear, somebody said, you can actually ship through Greyhound. I was like, what? Greyhound? And right around, not far from our shop, over at Country Club and the freeway, maybe just a mile or two away, is a Greyhound bus stop. And sure enough, I went in there, I was like, so... I got this fender and I gave them the dimensions and I said, I need to ship this. Is it true I can ship it with you guys? They're like, yeah, how much? And they gave me the price. It was like 50 bucks or something at the time. And so I was like, we're doing it. So I got that thing all packaged up and I did whatever they said. And I, I thought, oh, it was weird, you know, you go walk into a Greyhound bus station, people in there, people looking a little grubby, people looking a little sad, people looking anxious to get back home. People all sitting and I'm walking at the fender. <laughs> taking her home, you know. No, I went. I did. I went in there with the fender, and I gave it to them, and they put it in the bottom of a Greyhound bus. And after that point, I don't care. It's like they. I paid them. It's on them. And the the guy ended up getting it, and, and he got the he got what what he paid for. But my thought was is like this is my thought. <clears throat> that was an unusual way to move something forward, isn't it? Number when you think about shipping something, you think okay, you know, put it in a put it in a. UPS, FedEx, kind of the standard thought, right? There's some standard ways of shipping and moving things forward, at least for the domestic side of us, common folks. There's common, usual, customary ways we think of moving something forward, shipping something. This was an unusual way of moving something forward, putting it on a Greyhound bus. I never heard of that, but it worked. Now, this whole passage right here, these verses are from 12 to 18. It's basically about Paul saying, you know what? I had some bad things happen to me. But you know what? There was an, God used this as an unusual way to further the gospel. It was not a customary way. Look what he says, verse 12. I, I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me, we're going to look at one of those things. The things that happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Paul, What Paul's going to show us is that he had some weird, he had some hard things happen in his life. And instead of it being all the gospels uh, contained now, the gospel stops now because Paul's, he's in this case, in under house arrest and he'd been in umbo, so to speak, for two years. Oh, there's no more gospel. Paul says, you know, rather... It actually was an odd way to advance the gospel. The things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the movement forward, the progress of the gospel, he says. So what happened to Paul? The story of what happened to him is from Acts chapter 21 to Acts 28. I'll give you the short version of that. Paul had given his life to the Lord. He had already gone on three missionary journeys. He comes home to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 21, And he does not get a warm reception. He does with some of the believers. But there's still Jews that are very tenaciously following the Old Testament and have not accepted Jesus Christ, who know Paul's coming into town, and they see Paul come to the temple. The temple, there was still some temple practice at the time. Acts is kind of a transitionary book. It's a little little different. It's transitioning from Old Testament to church age stuff, and there's kind of some middle-of-the-ground stuff. So anyways, Paul goes to the temple. Bring this uh, It may have been Pentecost, it was one of, the, one of the feasts, and he goes there and there's kind of some hostility building up, and long story short, a bunch of Jews grab him, they falsely accuse him, they take him they almost pulled him apart, they got so angry, and they came and um, um, they rescued the Roman guard, the Romans were over everything, even over what was happening at the temple, if it got out of hand, they just stepped right in. They grabbed Paul, they took him away from these crazy Jews like what's going on here and paul's tells a little bit of the story and and they're all accusing paul of things or falsely accusing him of, of things saying that he wants to basically destroy all of the uh you know practice of judaism and that he's bringing in uh, unclean people into the temple so they so the jews are making false accusations against paul they they unfairly apprehend him he's taken by the romans he ends up making i'm going to shorten this i got to shorten it a lot he ends up getting passed around a lot because it's it is an interesting story, but he gets passed around a lot. Paul does, but it, for the most part, he's in Roman uh, apprehension. He's apprehended, he's confined to Rome, to Roman um, a chain or bond or a house prison or whatever. He gets passed along to this one. Here's his case, and he's passed along to another king who hears, and they're trying to hear his case. Is this guy really a criminal? And basically, the Romans were saying, this guy hasn't done anything wrong. Let him go back. And they said to Paul, Paul, do you want to go back to, back to Jerusalem and just kind of finish out your trial of all these accusations they have against you? Or what? He goes, no, I'm going to appeal to Caesar to finish my case. Yeah. That was a huge decision right there. So he could have went back to Jerusalem to resolve this fuss that Jews had against him. Or he could keep going forward in the Roman system and, and appeal up until his case is cleared even up to Caesar. And he appealed to Caesar. One of the reasons he did it is because earlier God said to Paul one night, one of his distresses, is, says, Paul, don't even be afraid. Just like you testified to me at Jerusalem, you must also testify at Rome. So at that point, from that point on, Paul was bulletproof until he got to Rome. So Paul was apprehended by Romans and he gets... Heard by King Agrippa, and this person and that person put on a ship with a whole bunch of smelly, I'm sure, prisoners and some other people. He's put on a ship, and it was not a nice carnival cruise in the in the Mediterranean. It was probably the win- It was winter fall time, and they called. They endured what was called a Euroclyte, and it was a very violent storm on the sea as they're heading their way to 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 Italy. Not for not for tourists, you know. But they're heading their way to Italy, and they get this—they hit on this ship. They get this bad storm, and and uh, basically the it was it, they had to lighten up the ship. And even after lightening up the ship, they end up um, eventually they crashed into like a sandbar, and the ship is all dispersed, and and they float. They have to grab. I mean, this is this is a tra- This is a, a a calamity happening on sea, and they had to hold on to pieces of the boat, and they float to some another island uh, near Malta and it was barbarous people there that happened to be very hospitable and all these prisoners are floating to shore Paul's floating to shore they go after the shipwreck they go to the shore and um, the whoever's over the the Prisoners of the Roman authority gathers him up and Paul's trying to gather sticks to make a fire and he grabs one of these sticks by the fire and a viper bites him in the hand and and they said, ooh, karma, he must have did something bad. Next thing you know, Paul's healed. And they're like, what's going on with this guy? Paul's enduring all kinds of stuff. He's on the island for a couple of months. Eventually another ship comes by, picks him up off the island, finishes taking him and the rest of the prisoners to Rome Paul hits a couple cities, and then next thing you know, he's in a house arrest, Acts 28. He's in some sort of house arrest, which which what we think is the context here. You know, apprehended. So, and what I just described to you from Acts 21 to Acts 28 is two years. That's two years of being passed around, and man, he's out of his rhythm. He didn't get to go on another missionary trip. He doesn't get to have, I'm sure the food wasn't kosher anymore. He's got a, I mean, everything's, his whole rhythm, his routine's thrown off for two years. And then when he's in house arrest, he was probably in house arrest for about two years also. And you know what? He does not say, the things which happened unto me are such a pity. I want you to know the things which happened unto me are unfair. I want you to know, Philippians, I'd have you know the things which happened unto me, I didn't deserve it. I want you to know the things which happen unto me, it's another person's fault. He could have said some of those things. But he says he could have. Yeah, that's right. He could have said some of those things, but he views like, what is God? Where's a gospel opening? Instead of just viewing the happenings of his life, he was looking for the openings. Let's just pause right there. Sometimes we need to look at our life and say, there's a lot of happenings to me. I get happenings in my life, things that happen to me, plus or minus. I get things... And along the path of my life, that happened. When I was a kid and rode a motorcycle, you know what happened to me? I got gnats in my eyes and mouth. (laughs) And I spit them back out. You know what happened to me as a kid sometimes when I got a car? I got my car vandalized three times, and I didn't even know who they were, the people that vandalized them. Uh, When we moved over here in Gilbert, uh, we had baseball thrown through our glass twice, and the kid denied it. Those are happenings. But I also had other happenings that are good, you know. Had happenings where you know somebody somebody came by our house and gave us something nice, um, somebody called me up and, and gave me a good word or some random act of kindness, so to speak. You know, things have happened, good things have happened. There's all kinds of happenings that happen to us. Paul's happenings he was looking for a he is looking for a gospel opening, not just the happening. Look what he says: the things, verse twelve, the things which happened unto me. Have fallen out rather unto the advancement, the furtherance of the gospel. Perhaps some people thought, did you hear about Paul? Yeah, what? He's now he's he's in he the he's in Caesarea waiting for a trial. Oh, now did you hear about Paul? He's on a ship. I heard there was a really bad storm. Oh, did you hear about Paul? Now he got shipwrecked. Boy, it's oh unfortunate. What's gonna happen with the gospel? Maybe people are thinking the our main preacher, our main missionary is contained, he can't do much. What's gonna happen? But Paul says, you know what, actually, the gospel ended up going further in that. So let's see how. Let's see how that happened. Before we see how, I want to ask you a couple and I a couple questions. <clears throat> the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel is what? The good news. The news is we're busted, we've broken God's law. The good news is Jesus paid our fine, and the simple thing is, is, if I just believe on him, I don't have to do any tap dance or religious requirements, but if I just believe sincerely on him with all my heart, I'm, I get to go and I'm saved. That's the good news. And so the, Jesus said that gospel should be preached in all the world and taught and explained and then teach all the other things Jesus taught as well. That's the good news. Paul was interested in that furthering. Jesus was interested in that message furthering. Jesus said that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. We should be witnesses, and and I, I find myself and our church fail at that. But that's what we should be. We should be interested in the furthering. You know, right now, what are we interested in? Not furthering a virus. Stop furthering this. But contain it. Stop it. Don't spread. Don't spread. Don't spread. Um, we are concerned about not furthering, you know, germs and. Viruses and all, and of course, we—that's we, we, reasonable. But sometimes we further. What do we care about furthering? What do we care? further means to advance, to progress something, to see it go forward, to see it boost the furtherance of the gospel. Paul wanted the church to look. I want you to know something about the furtherance of the gospel here. What do we care about furthering? I sometimes, a typical American cares about furthering their political ideals. I want to further my political party, my political thought. I want to make sure I get more people vote, uh, more people to register to vote and vote that are in my party so we can get this thing turned over again. We want to further those things. We want to further our business product, our business name. We want to further our Facebook posts. If I make a post on Facebook, I want to make sure it goes, and everybody knows. And I will just say that the politics, furthering the politics that I think are healthy, there's a place for that. Furthering our business product and name, there's a place for that. Who wants to do business and be unfruitful? We've called to be fruitful. We're supposed to be fruitful and not twiddle our thumbs and waste our time. We should have wise business practices and execute them wisely. But we want to further those things. We want to further our Facebook messages and our Facebook posts and all the other social. But do we want to further the gospel as much or more than those things. So ask yourself that. Do I, do I really care about furthering the gospel? These things, politics, business, Facebook communication, they have a place. The place is smaller than the place of the gospel. They have a place. But the place is less consequential than the place of the gospel. The, pla- the place of my furthering my politics and furthering my business and my all those other things are temporal. The gospel is eternal. Paul said... I'm interested in the furtherance of the gospel. And so that's what we want to embrace today. That last thought there at the end of verse 12, to care about the furtherance of the gospel. And here's the issue. We should care, that, we should care about it, but Paul shows us two uncommon ways. Just like my greyhound, my silly greyhound story. Some of you are probably sitting here today like, I always knew greyhound could ship stuff. I can't believe pastor didn't know that. Maybe you're saying that to me today. Well, I didn't. So, you know, there's unusual ways of transporting something. Paul shows us two uncommon ways that the gospel can be advanced. Here's what they are. Through confinement, verses 13 to 14. Even though he was confined, it was in such a scenario where actually the gospel went further. And then the second unusual or uncommon way that the gospel may go forward is through contrasting motives. It can go through and in spite of contrasting motives. That is, there's people who have good motives and the gospel goes forward. There's people who have not good motives, but the gospel still goes forward. And he describes that in verses 15 to 18. So let's explore that with our time confine look at Paul's confinement look at verse 13 so that my bonds in Christ okay bonds in Christ Paul was in bond because of Christ now because of his criminal acts that are genuinely criminal like immoral or ungodly he says my bonds in Christ I'm a I'm in bond because of Jesus what about that they're manifest in all the palace what a palace we're talking about a palace here I thought Paul's roughing it, man. I thought he was like being passed along in Jerusalem and then some holding cell in Caesarea, then some rough ship on the sea, and then on the shores of Malt, one of those desert island places. And What do you mean a palace? Yeah, he's in a palace. I don't know how nice it is, but it's in the realm of where Caesar is. Guess what? Paul's got a captive audience, and they're Romans. Every, they said every six hours or four or whatever, There's every so many hours, a new Roman soldier, wrist or ankle, I don't know what it is, some Roman soldier gets chained to Paul. And then they do a little, all right, it's your turn, man. And he'd unchain and come over, bring the new guy, the new Roman soldier, get chained. And Paul's over here. You know, I'm sure Paul wasn't, you know, a John Cena type, you know, where he can pull that guy's chains and, and do something to him. He was probably just kind of a normal guy, maybe in his 50s or 60s. But he's chained and he's in, he's, so he's with these Romans and he's in the palace. The audience around him are people close to Caesar. In fact, look at one of the verses at the end of the book. Look how he closes the book. Look at verse 22, the last, second to the last verse. <clears throat> the second to the last verse of Philippians chapter Philippians 4.22, all the saints salute you. He's signing off, saying bye to the Philippians. All of them salute you chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. Are you bragging, Paul? Are you trying to drop name drop here? Hey, I just want you to know my buddies over here in Caesar's household say, what up, you know. <laughs> I, from what we can tell, he is right in the realm of Caesar's household. I, I, wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't know why Caesar wouldn't have heard Paul already. Maybe not his official trial, but whoever the crazy Caesar was at the time, they were all crazy. It may have been Nero. But Caesar's household, most likely that meant Caesar heard something about Paul. Sometimes they were just amused by the latest prisoner. Who is this guy? You know, it's kind of a novelty. They want to come visit him like he's a circus animal. And so the point is, Paul's in Caesar's house, so Paul's in Rome. Paul's in, it's kind of like in the White House type of thing. And he's, the message of Christ is going to all his Praetorian guard, that is the secret service that are taking care of Caesar. They're hearing the gospel from Paul. Hey, why are you here, man? He'd tell them why. And then the household of Caesar, the I don't know, the cooks, the chefs, the bakers, the butlers, I don't know. And then his staff, they're hearing. The household of Caesar is hearing the gospel. Now let's pause a second. Paul, back in his home church of Antioch, he was sent out a few times to do some missionary trips. I don't even think they could have planned that right there. Being in Paul goes back to his home church, at Antioch. All right, we're gonna do a fourth missionary journey. Let's go to let's go to Caesar's household. Let's do this. How can we make a strategy how to get in there? Dun, 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 dun. You know, I don't know what they're... They they couldn't have planned this. We're going to sneak in. Do do do. you know. They couldn't have planned this. But God said, you know what? I'm going to... We're going to sneak them in an unusual way. He gets to be a criminal. He's going to bounce around on a ship. He's going to say the gospel to this king, the gospel to this other governor, the gospel to this other big shot the gospel to all these prisoners and this shipmaster the gospel to this barbarian and the leader of this whole barbarian island and and then next thing you know is the gospel's going to be told to these to these guards these secret service type soldiers around caesar and the most likely caesar itself and the gospel's going to get up boy god did that through what a hardship through an unfair apprehension i mean he was grabbed in Jerusalem he was grabbed by mean Jewish fellow countrymen that he would never done anything wrong to. And they were about to pull him apart. Romans had to st- grab, go in there and say, don't pull this guy apart. What's going on with you? you know, and that's what, and all these, what we'd say, unfair things happening for two years. Meanwhile, the gospel's traveling through places that would not have been able to travel through with a local church strategy uh, session planning it. Wow, look what that happened. He was, my bond. So through his confinement, the gospel went forth. Many of the brethren, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all of the places. Can you imagine Paul? He's chained to one, he's chained to one of these. It's got to be a tough, strong guy. I mean, if you're a Roman soldier, you've got to be strong. If you're a Roman soldier in Caesar's palace, you've got to be a tough dude. Okay? He's chained there with Paul. And Paul's chained to him. And Paul's telling him the gospel in some way. Isn't that amazing? He wouldn't be allowed as Far as I know, strangle him unless Paul physically tried to assault the guy. Because he, he's got to keep him there till the day of his trial. So this big old guy has to listen, and most likely he couldn't unchain himself. Like, man, I'm tired of hearing this. Can you come over here? Uh, what's a Roman name? I don't know. Tony? I don't know. Uh, can you come take my place real quick? I don't know. I don't know what the Roman names are. Okay. Uh, he had to seize a captive audience to Paul. I want you to see this whole scenario because it's going to relate to our life. Paul had that. Through his confinement, through an unfortunate thing, the gospel opened up in an unusual way. Did you know some of us heard of Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., the, our American reformer for some of our, uh, you know, political policies as it relates to race but Martin Luther the religious reformer of the 1500s most of us have heard of him um, he was basically a Catholic who found who re- eventually realized the found the gospel the true gospel in the Bible and began to preach it and started seeing some corruption in the Catholic Church and preached against it Martin Luther was Once he started preaching the true gospel and preaching against the corruptions of the Catholic Church in Germany and throughout Europe, the Catholics did not like him. and They wanted to hunt him down because he was exposing their corruption, selling indulgences. That's where you can pay money to commit some more sins for free and supposedly be cleared of it. He exposed that. Well, he was put, I don't know where it was at, probably Germany somewhere. He was in a prison. He was in like kind of a house castle prison at one point. Martin Luther was. During that time, during at least that time or one of those times, he finally got to work on his German translation of the Bible. And I'll just add, I'm going to add this. He worked on his German translation of the Bible and for his New Testament, he actually used the same manuscripts that we are drawing from in the King James Bible. It's called the traditional text, the majority. Well, it's usually called the traditional text and it's more accurate text of Scripture to translate from. A lot of the newer versions don't use it. So he used that. In fact, they said he even consulted with these Waldensians, who are basically like Baptists. He consulted with them. Hey, what do you guys have been copying? Because he knew there was other non- Protestants, non-Catholics, called Baptists and Waldensians that were faithful to copy Scripture. He consulted with them, found some. Anyway, so he worked on his German translation and he made a lot of progress on it. I don't remember how much. But that translation is still, as far as I know, the one they still use, or at least they're still drawing from maybe another edition of it, even today. It became a, it became a very long Standing translation. So in other words, when Martin Luther was contained, it actually helped advance something. And he was able to get out copies of the German translation of Scripture. And more Germans started to see the true gospel and other people in Europe in contrast to the false gospel of the Catholic Church at the time. Confinement was actually opening up something. We've heard of John Bunyan, right? Wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, A good amount of that was written from prison. Why did he go to prison? Because he was basically a Baptist preacher in England who said, I don't need a license from the state to be a preacher. And he refused it, and, and they put him in prison. And God gave him an incredible, what's called, um, an a allegory of the Pilgrim's Progress, and it's been helpful to many. Okay, what about me, Pastor? You're talking about Paul, talking about Martin Luther. Weird things happen, and the gospel goes out. Great. What about me? Um, let me just say this: You and I do not discount afflictions that happen. Don't think. Don't say this is worth nothing. Ah, oh, but well, wait a minute. God might be purchasing something good with our suffering. It seems like suffering is currency with God. Don't discount your confinement. Don't discount your limitations. God might be using it for you to, for as an opportunity for you to share the gospel with somebody, or for the gospel to go forth in another way. I remember when I was younger, I couldn't wait to stop working for a while. There, I didn't, I couldn't wait to stop working at our my dad's shop because I wanted to be a pastor. I was very anxious from like, from about age 25 through age 30. When I was, by the time I was 30, I got to be the pastor of the church. But I was like. I I want to stop working here. I want to be a pastor, go start a church. I was looking, maybe I'll go to Mexico. And I was looking in Nevada. They need a church there. Maybe I'll go there. And I was looking in Buckeye. They need a church in Buckeye and and Casa Grande. And I was doing, and it it was like God was saying, yeah, it's open, it's open, it's not open for you. So I had to wait, and stay, and just kept working for Dad and trying to help out in our church here, and just be like, all right, this is where God wants me to be, but i just gonna go be a pastor, you know? And and so, in the meantime, I there was guys I'm working next to, a guy named Troy Vincent, and a guy named Ivan Sandoval, and a guy named uh, Todd Burns, and several others. And those last three guys accepted the Lord in time, and, and just because I got to work around them, and I'm standing in a car and I'm talking to them, and. You know, and so I thought, like, well that that's good. I don't know if I could have accomplished that not working there. And so I felt like I was confined, but in reality God was expanding something and, and now there's like four, three or four Sandoval families in the Spanish ministry. Right? I mean it's they keep there's multiplying. Right? So I'm just saying sometimes I get confined and I'm like well, there's nothing happening now. One guy, you know, he had he got a brain, he had like a he had like a a tumor or something where he was—he was upset, and it's to where he had to have brain surgery, and in, in his some of his appointments with the surgeon of consultation and all this, he ends up getting to talk to the surgeon, give the surgeon the gospel. And he started thinking, I could have never gotten in this surgeon's neighborhood. He lives in a gated community. But God put me into his office, and now he hears the gospel from me. Um. One of the guys, I think it was, I, I don't know if it was you, Brother Adam, but one, I think it was you a couple of years ago. You're one of the guys you're working with or something at, at University of Phoenix. And, and I think he's got witnessing to, there's been guys every now and then, Brother Adam will mention in prayer, hey, pray for this guy. He's got this issue and his wife has cancer. And, you know, Adam gets a chance to connect with people. And, and I remember basically the gist of it. One time Brother Adam was saying, There was some guy that he got to talk to and give a little more of the gospel and witness to him. And then Adam told me, kind of said it in passing. I don't know if he meant it casually. He said it casually. He's like, well, maybe this is why I'm at UOP. It's for this guy to hear what I'm saying. And I'm thinking, maybe that's exactly why. Because I know Adam's anxious to move on and do something else. But there was a moment of at least one guy where he said, maybe this is why I'm here right now. Is for this guy, to hear, for him to hear me give the gospel and care about his scenario with his wife at having cancer or something. Confinement. Confinement. Paul says, you know, it, my confinement ended up going the further into the gospel. Well, we'll look at the rest of this next week. I want to conclude on this thought, though. There was a guy I read about. I don't have the story in front of me. But there was a guy who I read about, and maybe you've heard this story. This is interesting. He was deserted. He was on a desert island. I mean, he was stranded. And he had made, like, you know, nobody had come to find him. I think he may have tried flares and something else, and a, maybe a little fire or something. Nobody had come to find him, and he made his hut, and he was so happy. He built this hut, this tree, uh, out, of, out of branches and leaves and whatever else he could find. And he made this hut and he was so happy about it, man. Yes, got my hut. He's all excited. And then one day he was doing something and I don't know if it was a lightning strike or his own fire, but the, the fire caught on his hut and it burned that thing. He could not put it out. I mean, there's no fire department to call or anything. It burned that thing. He was so sad. He worked hard on this thing and it just went up in flames. And he was so depressed and so sad. And about a day later, this ship comes right in front of the island to pick him up. He's like, What? I how'd you see him? He goes, We just saw this smoke coming up. Big old billow smoke coming all up. We thought nobody go over there. They're trying to get our attention. And the guy got rescued. Because of this calamity, it was turned for good. God's like to do that, isn't he? Yeah. That's kind of like God, but Joseph, with Paul, with yeah. this, God takes even death and turns it around and uses death to kill my death. Yeah. God used death to kill your death and. Further eternal life. That's like God to do that. So put that in your heart today. Put that in your mind today. Like, I want to see the gospel, like Paul, I want to see the gospel further. And God may do it in an unusual way through my life, through an unlikely way. Put that in your heart today. And then, also in an addition, in a greater sense, put in your heart that God may, like He commonly does, turn something bad into good, which He says He does for those that love Him and that are called for His purpose. And we'll consider the rest of this, Lord willing, next.